0: Welcome to the Real Talk with Dana podcast. I'm your host, Dana Monsi's licensed dietitian, nutritionist, and body image coach. On this show, you'll learn how to listen to and trust your body instead of trying to control it. We'll dig into the healing power of nutrition from a non-diet, weight-inclusive, health at every size approach. My guests and I will guide you through how to heal from digestive issues and hormonal imbalances, all while making peace with food and your body without obsession or restriction. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Real Talk with Dana podcast. So this whole month, we have been talking about the nervous system, stress, of adrenal fatigue, and burnout. And this week, I wanted to give you guys some actionable tools that you can use to help manage all of the things that we've been talking about this month. Our guest this week is Ashley Ray, who is the founder and CEO of Mala Collective, which is a company that works with artisans in Asia from Bali to India to Nepal to create products supporting a mindfulness and meditation practice. So Ashley has taught meditation across North America, taken meditation trainings from LA to New York and India and Bali, and has worked to make meditation and mindfulness more accessible and fun. So on today's episode, we're going to be chatting about how the people who need meditation the most are the ones who think they're too busy or too stressed to make time for it. Ashley's going to be talking about how to ease into a meditation practice, and we're going to be talking about how perfectionism and limiting beliefs can get in the way of meditation and feeling like we are not enough. And of course, before we get started today, huge thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring today's podcast. As a reminder, you guys, Real Talk with Dana listeners, can get 10% off your first month of therapy at BetterHelp.com Dana. Ashley, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm excited to learn more about you and to share your story with the listeners. So I would love if you could start by telling us a little bit more about your personal health journey that led to where you are today.
1: Of course. So I got into meditation and mindfulness by starting a business around it, which, you know, I think most people assume that I was into meditation and mindfulness first, and then I started a business. Uh, But it all goes back to um, a chance meeting in Bali. So I used to be a journalist. 10 years ago, I was covering murder trials. And Quit my job, went traveling, ended up in Bali, fell in love with the energy in Bali. And as many people are there searching for a breakthrough, searching for a level of mindfulness, um, I fell in love with these mala beads. And we kept going back and buying them and discovering they had different healing qualities and different intentions. And when we were flying from Bali to Thailand, a woman came up to us on the plane, told us she loved our aura, started talking to us, and she ended up being the woman that made the beads that we had bought. So it was a very, very serendipitous
0: uh, collision
1: of lives. And that moment really kicked off my mindfulness journey and my path to inner healing and my exploration of of what is meditation, what is mindfulness, what is well-being. And I would say that that journey has been, you know, it's been 10 years now and it takes many different forms from gratitude journaling to meditation to uh, I go on long distance hikes every year for my own practice of getting out of my head and getting into my body. So there's, there's so many different forms of what my mindfulness practice looks like, but it was a very serendipitous and magical beginning um, that, that I'm just eternally grateful for.
0: So cool. Well, thank you for sharing that. So tell us a little bit more about your journey to become a meditation teacher.
1: Mm. Well, that's that's a great question. Thank you for
0: asking. <laughs> I, you know, starting the,
1: the business meditation was so foreign to me and i was so lucky that i got to travel between bali and india and nepal and new york and la and my goal was to take as many different trainings and courses and classes as possible because meditation was so new to me and when we're new to meditation we uh, we a lot of times feel guilt or shame or this feeling like we're not good at meditation or my mind's wandering I'm the worst at this or my legs asleep and we go into a lot of self-judgment and that was happening for me so I was trying to explore as many different approaches to meditation as possible and in that journey I really fell in love with the different forms of teaching so I've taken a few trainings and when I teach meditation now my approach is very much not a black and white, there's not a right and wrong approach to meditation, because I think that's what turns us off of meditation, when we start to think we're automatically doing it wrong. So the trainings that I've taken have been, you know, selfishly part of my own journey, trying to understand myself and understand my mind and understand my body. And now when I teach, the the goal for me is to make it as accessible as possible, as fun, and as human and authentic and light as possible so that we don't get to that spiral of you know I I am I'm the worst meditator I'm not doing it right I'm going to give up I shouldn't be doing this or you know the over analysis because our human nature and our instinct is to want to do it right and oftentimes we overanalyze how am I sitting how am I breathing should I be doing this 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 and one of my teachers said to me once you meditate every day for 200 days then you can worry about the technique. So it's really about just getting there and just sitting down and practicing and and starting the practice and then finding what's comfortable for you
0: no way perfectionism and overanalyzing come into people's meditation (laughs) practice? (laughs) Isn't that bizarre? You think that that would stop us as soon as we start meditating? (laughs) (laughs) Well, so listeners, so you guys know, the reason I wanted to have Ashley on this month's bulk of shows when we're talking about stress management and burnout and adrenal issues and stuff is because one of the – Main things that can be so, so helpful in managing burnout and stress management and getting, helping us get to the realization that even if you feel like you're super busy and you don't have time for meditation, it's probably the thing that you need absolutely the most. And I've found that in my personal practice and with a lot of the clients that I work with, obviously I'm not a meditation teacher, but it's coming, it comes up a lot that people feel like they can't do it because they're not going to do it perfectly. And it's like, hello, overanalyzing and perfectionism and people-pleasing and all these things are one of the reasons that we get to burnout and having all this anxiety and everything in the first place. So meditation can be very helpful, a very humbling exercise for that.
1: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And, you know, 10 years in, I wouldn't say that, you know, I still have practices where it's deeply uncomfortable and I don't want to be doing it. So it's, <laughs> I don't mean that to discourage anybody. It's, there's days where it's really easy and it's very beautiful and there's days where it's difficult because oftentimes sitting alone with our thoughts is a very uncomfortable experience. Think about all the things that we do to keep busy so we don't have to sit with our silence like opening Instagram, scrolling mindlessly opening whatever app and just keeping busy. we're we're so used to and we've so normalized this busyness that it's actually quite uncomfortable to sit and do nothing. So there's still days where I feel the resistance, um, but I still sit through it. And the benefits to meditation really start to show up the more committed you are to yourself. And I know the word discipline has oftentimes a negative connotation, but if you reframe it as I'm committing to my future self or I'm committing to my higher self or I'm committing to whatever this best version of yourself is on your vision board or in your you know vision of who you want to be that this commitment uh, becomes a softer expression versus I must and I have to and I need to uh, because you don't need to do anything uh, but it does shift from uh, a form of resistance and it does get easier and easier it's just some days, some days it can still be a bit uncomfortable.
0: Definitely. And some days you can feel so busy and so stressed out that you're like, I don't have time for a five minute meditation. And yes. whenever that happens to me, I'm like, yeah. yeah, you really don't have five minutes to meditate. Like, you're probably <laughs> yeah. going to spend more than five minutes mindlessly scrolling through Instagram, which makes you feel yes. more anxious afterwards. So, like, yes. maybe let's just start with this and then see where the day goes. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And like, you can also do two minute meditations. You can do, you know, one of my teachers taught me box breathing where you inhale for four, hold for four, exhale for four, hold for four. So it's just 16 seconds. And if you do that a few times, you can definitely feel the effects of it. If it's, if it's something you need it, like in a, in a moment of, of stress or overwhelm when you're sitting at your desk, you know, set a timer for a minute or just do that, you know, 16 second breath for a few runs. Um, But I hear you when when we're the most stressed out. uh, It's often when, you know, we, we, uh, I don't want to use the word should or need to, because I feel like those are really judgmental words. But (laughs) the the days when I'm really stressed out, I'm like, okay, I need to carve out a little bit more time. (laughs) And What am I
0: prioritizing right now over my health and mental health? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So let's say you're going to be like, oh my God, no one ever exists in that state. So let's say people or a person listening to this podcast is like super stressed out, feeling super burned out, anxious, like no way. Right. So can you talk a little bit more about if they are that person, what are some ways that they can ease into a meditation practice?
1: Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, and I, I so understand that there's, there are days where I still feel anxiety and stress. You know, I'm, I'm human. Um, my meditation practice is just one of my tools that I turn to. And I would say, you know, oftentimes when we are anxious and when we are feeling that sense of overwhelm, you know, when you feel that, like you're vibrating in your head, like that, that vibration, like way up in your body. I would offer the suggestion of getting physical. You can do a walking meditation. You can do some yoga. You can do some stretching. Getting into your body and out of your head is a really uh, beautiful step to lead you into meditation. So if you're in that really anxious state and your mind's spinning and maybe put too much coffee (laughs) or whatever it is, and you're vibrating, maybe sitting directly on a cushion isn't going to be the thing that works for you. You're just going to sit and vibrate on that cushion. So do a few stretches, get up, do some jumping jacks. I actually bought, you know, since we've been in COVID, I bought a mini trampoline uh, to put in my apartment so that I can do some jumping jacks and just get that energy out of your body. Or if you're lucky enough to live by nature, go for a walk. Or sometimes, you know, I live in this city, walk around the block a couple of times, and then maybe sit and do a meditation. When I was practicing in India, we had uh, a teacher share with us that doing a physical exercise before meditation allows us to clear all those energy points in our body, allows us to dispel that energy, allows us to to shed that anxiety. And it just makes it a little bit easier to then sit, even if that sit is only two minutes. Walk a couple blocks and sit for two minutes. That's what I would would suggest, the movements that we can drop from that energy in our head to dropping maybe a little bit more into our belly or into our hearts.
0: I love that tip because I definitely find sometimes when I'm sitting down for meditation, the first like half of the practice, my brain is basically just like an arcade game where the like ping pong balls are like (laughs) bouncing around from like thought to thought. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is so so slow down. And then you have the thoughts that are like, oh my God, I'm wasting my time meditating. And it's just like, then they keep ping ponging all over the place. I'm like, wait a minute, we're supposed to be here to relax. Yeah.
1: Okay, I think that's hilarious that you said we, we're supposed to be here to relax, because that's so true. And the the arcade game, what a great visualization. That's so accurate. I think the, the judgment that we go through in our game, that game that we play in our head is so, it's so real. And it's, you know, if you meditate every day, all the time, it's still going to happen from time to time. Like, you're not doing it wrong. It's totally normal. It's kind of like when you go for a massage or you go for a relaxing thing. Or when you're on a holiday, it takes a few days to decompress. You know, it takes a bit of time to settle in and get into it. So I always find the movement, the of energy helps me settle in a little bit more. There's still a little bit of arcade game in the in the beginning if I'm, you know, having a really big day. Uh, but that's normal. It's normal. Don't judge yourself. Just keep working through it and um, and just breathe through it. I know that sounds like a very <laughs> woo-woo solution. <laughs> breathe through it. But you'll get through it. You'll get through it.
0: Yeah, and the thing that I like to remind a lot of my clients and even myself when this is the kind of thing that's happening is like, if you're in a consistent practice and you're noticing like one week or one month or one day, things are much more like arcade game than usual, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just an indication that… You have a lot going on, right? And understanding that, okay, like this is going to be even more impactful because I'm still doing this practice given the fact that I have a lot going on and I do need to be a little bit more centered or like it would serve me well to do this meditation, especially now rather than on the days when you don't have a lot going on. Because I know personally, if I go for, you know, a couple of days or even a couple of weeks, which can happen sometimes without having a consistent, whether it's yoga or meditation or some kind of restorative practice, I do start to feel that like (laughs) vibration mind or like monkey mind or whatever you want to call it all day, every day. And then you can feel even more stressed out because of that. So rather than getting really judgmental, which like definitely happens to all of us occasionally sometimes, right? Especially during something like meditation where you're like, I'm supposed to be relaxing, like calm down, mind. Why can't you do this? You know, Mm -hmm, instead of mm -hmm. getting super judgy and like shouldy all over yourself, it's Mm -hmm. okay, this is some information that I really have a lot more going on than I thought I did. And this is actually going to be a really beneficial tool that I can use, even if it seems like I'm meeting a lot of resistance.
1: Yes, yes, I hear you. And I think you mentioned a really important uh, important part in there when we start judging ourselves in the meditation. So if you if you visualize a meditation like a bicycle wheel and you have the center of the wheel as the focal point, your focal point can be your breath. It can be a mantra, so a mantra can be a phrase. I really like using affirmation-based mantras. So I am love, I am grounded, I am intuitive, I am supported. Repeating positive affirmations is proven to rewire our brain. And so we start to think with more positivity and abundance. Uh, so the, the breath, the mantra, and then the mala, which is what we make. So those are three areas that you can focus on in your meditation. So that's the bit, that's the middle of the bicycle wheel. And then if you imagine all the spokes, on the bike wheel, there's hundreds of them. Imagine that, that those are your thoughts <laughs> wandering off every time you're meditating. And when you get out to the edge where that bicycle wheel hits the rubber, that's the point when you realize, oh my goodness, my mind is wandering. In that moment, you can choose to come back to your focal point. So come back to your breath, come back to your mantra, come back to your mala. Or you can hang out out there and judge yourself and judge yourself saying, I'm the worst. I shouldn't be doing this. This is such a waste of time. My to-do list is so big. That moment, that choice is yours that you can stay in judgment and spiral or come back. It's going to happen 98 more times. So you're practicing compassion and you're practicing positive self-talk and choosing positive self-talk hundred times, 200 times, whenever you meditate. So it becomes a practice of self-love as well. It becomes a practice of self-compassion, choosing to talk to yourself with kindness rather than to judge yourself. So it is a very normal experience to judge yourself. And the practice really is how do you treat yourself with a bit more kindness when you get uncomfortable?
0: Yeah. And to take that further, I think most people judge themselves enough in everyday non-meditation <laughs> life. So, you know,
1: absolutely. thinking absolutely. about
0: let's create a non-judgment like a non or a judgment-free space, at least within the, you know, two, five, mm-hmm. 10, whatever number of minutes your meditation practice is going to be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Okay. Well, speaking of that, I know you mentioned before we started recording today that you love to talk about overcoming limiting beliefs. So let's go mm. into that and the number one limiting belief that most people have. Ooh, <laughs> in general in life, their number one most
1: limiting belief. I mean, I think what I what I can speak to is the limiting beliefs of thinking that we're not good enough in whatever, whatever version of I am not blank enough exists in your life. There is that... Um, Limiting, limiting belief, that fear, that block, whatever language you want to use. And I know personally for myself, starting Mala, I carried that weight for years. Like every night I'd be in tears thinking, who am I to be running this business? I don't know anything about this, especially because I started my meditation practice after starting the business. I felt like a phony. I felt like whatever, insert any self-talk that is negative is what I was thinking every day. And that carried on for a good few years, which felt even more hypocritical that I'm running this business around self-love, around compassion. And I had none of that for myself. Uh, So we often teach what we are seeking. So I was definitely in that in that world and we we designed a collection called I'm Enough and it was specifically because I was feeling not good enough and it it turned into um, our most popular collection because I think so many people resonated with this feeling of I am enough like wanting to cultivate that I'm enough deep knowing of I am love I am supported I am fearless I am grounded those positive affirmations resonate because they're so simple and they are all feelings that we have around lack within ourselves. So I would say that that feeling of not feeling good enough has definitely been a really big factor in my life and my journey. And I would say the overcoming point was uh, four years ago, five years ago, I was doing a meditation and this voice said, Ashley, just get over yourself. You're being so selfish by playing in this fear. And you're robbing so many people of a beautiful experience by just hanging out in this fear zone. And if somebody is seeking healing and seeking mindfulness, you're not allowing them to find it through you because you're too scared to share it. So that was a a really big moment of overcoming fear to show up to hold space for others. And I don't mean that in the sense of like an ego sense of, you know I am the be all end all of that journey. It's if somebody is seeking that exploration, they're going to find it somewhere, whether it's through Mala or through myself or through somebody somebody else. Uh, but how beautiful would it be if I showed up and stepped into purpose and allowed people to connect? If what I was offering was what they wanted to connect to, so that practice that was the wake up call, and I still practice it. I still meditate on it. I still, you know, do my gratitude journaling every morning. I get out into nature. Like I, I now practice what I preach on you know, daily basis, hourly basis, it is, um, this whole meditation and mindfulness thing really works. Like it's really cool. It's definitely shifted my life in a really positive way. And, you know, now when I get those limiting beliefs, I can work through them much, much quicker because it's not to say that I don't have them all anymore. That wouldn't be human to, to just think, you know, I'm perfect all the time. That's not my reality. It's how can I be kinder to myself and close that thought gap quicker.
0: Okay, let's take a quick break to hear about today's sponsor, BetterHelp. So like I mentioned in the intro, this whole month of episodes, we've been talking about the nervous system, stress, and burnout. And this week, we've been talking about a meditation or mindfulness practice and how it's super important to have tools in your corner so that you can help with burnout, with adrenal issues, and with managing the nervous system. So it's also extremely helpful to talk to a professional. So if this month's theme of stress management and burnout is hitting home, it might be helpful to talk to a licensed professional to do a mental health check-in. And the really nice thing about BetterHelp is that you can get connected with somebody in under 48 hours. So no more waiting for weeks to get an appointment with a therapist in your area who you haven't even met yet and you don't know anything about. BetterHelp's therapists can help you develop the tools to help with depression, anxiety, stress, burnout, relationships, working on your body image and relationship with food, Whatever you need to get started, you fill out an intake questionnaire online and they match you with your own therapist who you can see from your own home, either over a video privacy protected platform, or even just doing live messaging sessions. BetterHelp's mission is to provide everyone with easy, affordable and private access to professional counseling anywhere. So Real Talk with Dana listeners get 10% off your first month of therapy at betterhelp.com Dana. That's better H-E-L-P dot D-A-N-A. And now let's get back to the show. Right. And I think a big part of this, because meditation, yoga, you know, all these tools that we talk about, they are a practice, right? If you expected yourself to be perfect, that's one of the things that kind of got us to this place of whether you want to call it disconnection, imbalance, anxiety, depression, all of the things in the first place, right? So I think practicing allowing yourself to be a little bit more imperfect is healthier, more sustainable and like better in all of the aspects.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're right. It is a practice. And I think I remember somebody saying to me once, well, I don't want to feel like I'm not good enough for the rest of my life. What's the solution to just feel enough always? (laughs) Yeah, you're right. That does sound kind of exhausting to always have to work on it, but that's the choice is that it is a practice. And I do believe that in, you know, every time we level up and push our boundaries and grow into that new version of self, ourself and you know, step a little bit further into our potential and step a little bit further into purpose, it's a bit uncomfortable every time we level up. And every time we're a little bit uncomfortable, a new limiting belief comes up. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I think it represents growth and evolution and that we are changing. And I think that that can be really positive and empowering. And while I'm saying that, I also know being in that moment and feeling that limiting belief is—it's—it's uh, it's a hard—it's a hard process to go through. But you're not alone in feeling it. Everybody feels it. It's just whether or not we're sharing it, <laughs> honestly and openly.
0: Right. And I think it would be completely unrealistic for anyone to expect that they didn't have to continually work on this. Right. Especially because the belief that I am not enough has so many different permutations and can show up in every single aspect of your life, right? So you might have let's say like a handle or have made more progress on it in one aspect of your life but then it continues to show up in all these other aspects and it's like okay well now I've proved to myself that I can really work on this in one like zone of my life let's say but if you notice that it's coming up in other aspects it doesn't mean that you're a failure again we're trying to get away from perfectionism and trying to expect like a 100% on every test that we go through right and thinking about how it's just like you said a learning and growing process but also acknowledging that there's a reason why we feel like we're not enough all the time because we're we've grown up in a society that is constant comparison and constant striving for the next thing and you have to hit these milestones by this age or you're not good enough and you know that shows up in every aspect of our lives too so if you feel like you're meeting resistance in any aspect of your life in the sense that but I feel like I'm not good enough here it's like well Think about where that's coming from, because that's not something that you're born with, right? That's not something that's intuitive. We're never intuitive in saying like, I'm not good enough. We don't come out of the womb being like, I am the worst. I am not good enough. You know, it's a learned belief system and a learned behavior.
1: Mm. And I really love that you brought comparison there, because I think that that really is such an important thing to note that, you know, that phrase comparison is the thief of joy. Really rings true for me, and I know that on my journey, that really lent itself heavily to my not feeling good enough. Feeling like, oh my gosh, I don't have a master's or an MBA, and I don't know business language because I was a journalist, or looking on Instagram and seeing all these businesses and all these people accomplishing so much, and thinking, I should be there, I should be there, and that should, uh, and that comparison really lent itself to my spiraling and we we know analytically that Instagram is a highlight reel and yet we still choose to like it still gets us in the gut and it still hits us in our feelings of uh, making us believe that we are missing something or that uh, we're behind in some way and we are not behind and I think that there's there's a choice in in having honest and vulnerable conversations and I, I choose to lean into the honest and vulnerable conversations versus the picture-perfect um, Instagram reel of uh, a fake reality, you know? Like we have no idea what's going on behind the scenes in anyone's life and we're making up stories um, to, to judge ourselves. It's, it's incredible how, how quickly we can create a story when we see a post and, and spiral into shame.
0: Yeah, and create a story based on assumptions that we have no idea what's going on behind that perfectly curated Instagram feed, right? Especially if if the person or the brand or whatever it is that you're comparing yourself to is just that, a brand, right? They're not... Unless they're intentionally doing it, they're not showing the ups and downs. They're only showing the ups. They're only showing the highlight reel. And even then, you have no idea what's going on behind that picture unless they tell you, which most people aren't doing.
1: Yeah. And I love that there was there's some quote around like, don't compare your chapter one to someone's chapter 20. Like you have no idea where how long someone's been at something. And I know when I was like in year one, two, three, I would compare myself to companies that had tons of funding and 10 years in business, which is such an unfair, unfair comparison. And yet I still did it. So, I mean, I think just being aware of those things and knowing that we are perfectly aligned in this moment, where we're meant to be, who we're meant to be with. And I, I'm such a believer in serendipity and, and those, those timely connections and trusting the universe, because that moment of meeting that woman on the plane, you know, I wouldn't be talking to you today if that moment hadn't have happened. I would probably still be a journalist covering murder trials. You know, I can t- I can picture what my life would be. I could never have imagined, imagined this version of life. I never, I didn't even know what an entrepreneur was 10 years ago. It wasn't cool 10 years ago. Meditation wasn't as cool as it is now. Like 10 years ago, people weren't talking about it as openly as they are now. I feel like that that example of that, way the business started has reminded me to trust and let go and just settle into the feminine side of receiving and being open. And that in itself is a practice. That's a hard thing, especially when we're type A and we're so used to being in control, that idea of letting go and surrendering and receiving, uh, it is such a beautiful practice. And I mean, in all transparency, I have a coach to help me with it. Like it is It is a practice and it is a commitment to myself that I want to be in my divine feminine. I've taken meditation trainings, I've taken intuition trainings, I work with an intuitive coach, I work with, you know, I work on that. It's a muscle that I'm trying to develop to allow myself to settle more into ease. And I know that sounds very counterintuitive that I'm working on this muscle to build ease, but it is a practice that I really want to create space for in my life and. Um, that reminder of trust, surrender, serendipity, and magic is, I find so much beauty in it. And so much, um, such a reminder that the universe is so much bigger than me. And there's a plan that's so much bigger than what I could ever create.
0: Exactly. And as a reminder to everyone, it doesn't matter if you're at your chapter 20 or how many letters you have after your name, you're probably still going to experience some of the I'm not enough and some of the imposter syndrome that can go with every single aspect of our lives, right? And if, it's, if someone <laughs> is giving off the vibe that they know everything, basically, they've got 100 letters after their name and like, I'm an expert of everything. You can't be an expert of everything. You can't, right? So, That's when you can see, I always say, the mark of a good practitioner, business owner, whoever it is, is someone who can admit that they don't know everything, but that they're willing to learn and grow from any, let's say, like, mistakes that they've made or things that they acknowledge that they don't know. Because you can't possibly know everything, right? Like, even someone who's done... Undergrad and associate's degrees and graduate's degrees might feel like they're not enough because, oh, they're not a doctor or they're not a lawyer or they're not a, you know, they don't have even more letters after your name. And it's kind of like the same thing that happens when people are just chasing more and more likes or more and more followers or more and more whatever. Does it end up actually meaning everything? In the case of the likes and the followers, no, right? In the case of the degrees and all of the things, it might mean something in the sense that you're now $400,000 more in debt. And yeah, you've had a couple more years of education, but it doesn't mean you're going to finally feel like, oh, now I got my JD, I'm enough. Or now I got my MD, I'm enough. Because now... You have to contest with the fact that, okay, well, there's all these other MDs that have been practicing for 20 years, and obviously you don't know as much as them, but that doesn't mean that you're not good enough.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think we often, in my experience, I've, I've started coaching women around this specifically. And in my experience of talking to more women about this, we often... No, we, we often know what we don't want, but we don't have a very clear vision of what our success is. So we're measuring um, an unclear vision of what we want our lives to look like against somebody else's version. So I think once we get clear in our own values and we get clear on what a successful life, a successful business, a successful partnership, you know, once we put parameters and measures around that and, and a vision around that, then we can live in alignment with less comparison but we're often chasing comparison when we lack that clarity of what that actually means to us what success means to us
0: that is so true i had not (laughs) thought about it in that way (laughs) i really like that because it's like we find that we're looking for what we want in other people's examples of what their success looks like but like what we just said before we have no idea what's going on behind the scenes so how do you know that that's actually successful Yes, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's, it's an easy question, like, yeah, this is success. But when I really sit down with somebody in a coaching call, I'm like, okay, hey, what does success mean to you? And they, they tell me, and then I get them to pause and I read it back to them what they just said. Oftentimes they're like, oh, that's not my version of success at all. I don't know why I just said that. And I find it so curious that that's the majority of our reactions is because we are using these vanity metrics of what, other people's success is, but it's not really what we want yet. We're chasing it. And, you know, an example is, you know, years ago in the business, I had wanted to have a big office and a bunch of employees and, you know, a cool space. And, and I, and I had that, I had this beautiful downtown office, an amazing team We had organic food delivery, green juice and puppies would come in. Like we were a super cool office to work at. <laughs> and, and I woke up one day, I was like, oh, I don't like this at all this isn't joyful for me, this isn't fun. I was looking at everyone else's version of success and thinking that that's what I needed to feel success. And actually what I wanted, and this is what helped me realize what my version of success was, my version of success is time. I didn't wanna work in an office at all. I actually wanted to travel. I started the business so I could travel and take trainings and learn to meditate and teach people to meditate and connect with people, not being in office nine to five and dress a certain way and be the first one there, last one out and be the boss. That wasn't that wasn't fun for me. And I shared it with my team. This is about four or five years ago now and said, I really want to go remote. And at the time going remote wasn't cool either. And now in COVID, <laughs> it's, it's like of course everyone's remote. Now it makes so much sense. And there's so much resistance when you step into your version of success. In my experience that, you know, resistance from others, but a lot of support from the universe that I said to my team, I'm ready to go remote. My girlfriend came in to view my office two days later. She said, I love your office. I said, great. Would you like to take over the lease? I want to go remote. Within a month, we were remote. Within a month, everything had shifted because I knew what, what was an alignment to my values and an alignment to my happiness. And the feedback that I got externally from people was, is your business going under? Is this happening, is this happening, is this happening? Because your version of success doesn't fit inside the box of what my version of success is. And now I'm really uncomfortable. (laughs) And now that it's normalized, now that working remote, working and traveling, working from home is normalized, people don't bat an eye at it. But when you're doing it a little bit before, you're doing it a bit earlier, you're doing it because it aligns with you. You know, it's incredible to see the support energetically that you can receive in the momentum of your decision, but also the external judgment sometimes comes up from other people. And, you know, my feedback and offering there is just, if it's alignment with your values and if it's truly what makes you happy, do it because it will, it will move forward with ease if it's what's meant to be.
0: Yes, I love that. Well, Ashley, thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast today. This has been super fun. So, before you go, please tell people all the places they can find you and your business.
1: Oh, thank you. Well, you can find us on Instagram at mala collective, and please send us messages. We really love hearing from everyone. We're a small team. We read all of your messages. We're happy to help you figure out, you know, what crystals would support you, how to use a meditation cushion, how to use a mala. We have tons of free guided meditations, So check us out there. And then my Instagram handle is Ashley, underscore, underscore Ray, W R A Y. And I'm super happy to do, um, you know, a free intro coaching call to anybody who's looking for their version of success or stepping into purpose or whatever that means. I really, really love connecting with people. It brings me a lot of joy.
0: Awesome. Yay. Well, thank you again for coming on.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so grateful.
0: Hey there. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk with Dana podcast with me, your host, Dana, obviously. And I just wanted to say, you're the best. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your family and friends, maybe send a five-star rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Why would you do that, you ask? Because this helps more people find the show so that we can spread the food and body peace word, break down diet culture, and the unrealistic beauty standards that make us all feel like we need to shrink ourselves with food and exercise in order to be worthy in the world, which sucks. For discussion on the show episodes, if you want to request a guest or ask a question, if you'd like some support, please join the non-diet community on Facebook, which is a free group where you can go get some community and support. I'll see you over there and see you next week.